This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon, as usual with me, but not in studio, <laughs> remotely, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? Good. I uh, just want to let our listeners know we want to get right to it. Uh, we interviewed Don Cherry yesterday afternoon, almost the entire hour. Um, and it's taped. We're going to play it for you now. Naz, uh, your, uh, your thoughts on the interview. It was, it was really good. And we need to thank Don for his time. There's some yeah. things that will, in the interview that will be fascinating for the listeners, I'm sure. Anyways, uh, without further ado, we're going to turn it over. We, Naz and I will have uh, a couple of minutes uh, after the interview's over to come back on the line, and uh, we'll have a brief chat about uh, about the interview and, uh, and, and Don Cherry. So to all our listeners, Brandon, our producer, take it over. Enjoy. We're uh, pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, for, uh, we've been uh, wanting to talk to you for a long time. Donald S. Cherry. Donald, uh, pleasure. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hi, Naz. Hi, Naz. Hi, Wally. How you doing? We're doing, fanta- We're doing fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us. First thing i got to ask you, Don, how are you doing? How are, uh, how are things going? How- oh, I'm doing good. I'm uh, doing what I'm told. I'm uh, watching a lot of television, watching my three goldfish, and... Uh, and uh, uh, I, do, I, I on Sunday I do the um, I do my uh, podcast uh, with my son and uh, my grandson and, and my daughter, and uh, I have a lot of fun at that. We um, uh, we have a lot of fun at it. We do it every Sunday. Tell us, tell, Don, tell us, tell us about your pod, podcast. You haven't been on Hockey Night in Canada, and uh, we we uh, we've agreed we're not gonna we're not gonna chat about the oh. negative things that have happened to you. So uh, let's talk about some of the positive things. Well, you, that's good. You've got, uh, that's you've got a podcast going. Tell our listeners all about it. Yeah, like we, like we do. My son, uh, my son uh, asked me to do it, and I have a lot have a lot of fun. We pick it up on Spotify, I guess, and. And uh, Apple uh, and um, Facebook and Don Cherry's Great Fight. So on, on YouTube, we have uh, we have a lot of fun, and we talk about uh, hockey stories and and um, he he brings up pretty good stories all the time. So we we have a lot of fun at it. it it's supposed to be about a half hour. Uh, just so our listeners know, uh, and uh, I uh, just a reminder at this point, Naz and I are. Uh, Safely in our homes, uh, we're doing this remotely, and uh, Don is joining us by phone, and he's remote as well. Uh, uh, we'll. We'll make every effort not to talk over each other. Sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do, uh, but certainly uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the best we can. Naz, feel free to jump any jump in anytime you want. Well, jump uh, in right now. How's that? Go That's ahead. Good. Hey, Don, um, born in Kingston, Ontario. Where did you play your minor hockey? 
Well, I played uh, a lot of minor hockey in Kingston, Ontario, as you know. I played uh, uh, Junior B there for the Victoria Bills, and then I graduated to, uh, that's the way they used to do it, he graduated to uh, the Barry Flyers, Barry Colts now, and we won the Memorial Cup. We had Our team was so good that uh, I think they call it the, the team, the best team money could buy. <laughs> so we, uh, we, I think we did it the way it should be done. We we beat out the Marlies, we beat out the uh, Toronto Marlboros, and then we beat out the St. Mike's uh, Toronto St. Mike's, and then we went uh, we traveled down to uh, Quebec, and we beat the Quebec Citadels, and then we, we took the train out west and uh, we beat the uh, St. Boniface Canadians. So that uh, that's the way it used to be. Now they've done it. Uh, they do it for uh, television, which is you know I guess they have to do it for television, but. I liked it. I liked it the way it was. There was no uh, fooling around. You either won or you lost. And then there were four out of seven, and uh, we went longer than the National Hockey League. We were, we were going into almost June. So just who were some of the players that you had on the team that people would recognize? Oh, yeah, Doug Doug Moans. Doug Moans was very uh, good in the National Hockey League, and uh, Don McKenney, uh and we had Orville Chessie. I think he coached. Uh, Coached uh, Chicago, so we had. Uh, but Happy Adams was the guy that was uh, the the force behind it. He was um, he owned the electric store in uh, in Barry, and uh, he uh, he was he was a tyrant. I'll tell you, he was, but he was the smartest <laughs> guy, one of the smartest guys I ever played for. And I think he won the I think he won the Memorial Cup three times, and uh, twice in a row. So he put out. I think he, at the time he put out fifty two pros. So he was. Uh, he was a tough guy to play for, but uh, he was—he he, was—he uh, knew—he knew what he was talking about. Uh, the Barry Flyers, of course, ended up becoming the uh, the Niagara Falls Flyers. And Don, you—you uh, you spent a lot of time in the American Hockey League. In fact, uh, yeah. you got—you got one—you got one you got one, uh, one game in the NHL. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was you got called up in the playoffs, didn't you? Wasn't Boston playing Montreal or? Yeah, it was uh, myself and and a gentleman called uh, Norm Corcoran. We went up and we never didn't expect to play. We were like the black aces in case somebody got hurt. And uh, one of the players, I think I forget who it was, Warren Godfrey, I think, hurt his wrist, and um, I filled in for him. And uh, I took a regular shift, and I'll never forget it. Uh, that was the time that they were go- they. Um, I'll never forget that that game. I, I was standing there at the blue line, and. Um, Bernie Jeffrey on won the scoring title, and when he went on the ice to get, I forget what he got, uh, they booed him, and I, I couldn't figure it out. And what <laughs> they told me afterwards that it was the only time that uh, Rocket Richard could have won the scoring title, and Bernie I think beat him by two points or something like that. And um, as you know, the Rocket he was just loved in, in uh, when you love him, and um, he was loved in uh, uh, Montreal and. Uh, and then the rocket went on. I forget what he got. He's got some meaningless uh, gift, and he was absolutely cheered. Ready. <laughs> Holy smokes! And then I found out later that he was suspended and yeah. uh, Lake and uh, out for hitting Lake Lake over the head with a stick or something. And uh, I mean, it just it was it was like a it was like a circus. I'll tell you when uh, I said, "Boy, is this happening in the National Hockey League all the time?" John, you 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 are signing a contract with Hershey, your first contract, right? In the American League in '54. Yeah, I, I played in uh, I played for uh, uh, in I played for Springfield and I played for Hershey. 
I started out playing for Hershey, then at Springfield, then I played in Rochester, and uh, we I played four years in Rochester, and for Joe Crozier, Joe Crozier was the uh, was the um, uh, general manager, coach, found out he was the owner later, him and Punch Imlock, and we won uh, three championships and one final, so we had a, we had a pretty good club. We done. The National Hockey League didn't want to play us in games because we used to beat them all the time. Uh, Don, I got to ask you: you you, you spent uh, your entire career in the American Hockey League. Uh, you moved, you moved homes fifty three times. Yeah, we, uh, we. I don't know how we ever did it. Uh, I remember Rose. Uh, I remember coming home one day. I'd gotten a schmalva with the with the coach Pat Hegan. I remember. The, <laughs> and uh, I was sent to Three Rivers, and and uh, I didn't know where. I never I, Three Rivers, uh, Trois Rivières, I think it was called, and I had no idea what. And it was uh, Eastern Pro League. I was a good league. It was uh, I think it was only about three or four years, but uh, it was Eastern Pro League, and um, I was sent there, and I got lost, and I, and I remember saying, I rem- I never forget this. I remember saying the joke. I remember saying to uh, Eddie Shore, I said, well, where is Three Rivers, he says, uh, go through Vermont, uh, you hit Connecticut, and then when you hit the Canadian border, turn right. <laughs> so, and, I, and I didn't. I turned, I got lost anyhow. So I, know, I always remember those days, and uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a tough deal. When, and, you know, back in those days, there was only six teams in the uh, National Hockey League, and they only carried five defensemen. Now, so that was, that was 30, 30 defensemen of all, all of hockey. Now I think they carry about eight, and there's uh, 31. Well, there will be 31 teams pretty soon. So close to close to 300 makes the team. So everybody that that was playing in the American Hockey League, the Western League, and the and the Central League would be playing in the National Hockey League now. So it was a tough time to break in when they only had five def- uh, five defensemen uh, on each team. So it was it was a tough it was um, it was it was tough back in those days. They um, you were like almost like a slave, to tell you the truth. Uh, Don, you, just you, uh, go ahead, Nez. No, you no. Part of the uh, Vancouver Canucks prior to the, them opening up in the NHL, the year they won the Western Hockey League Championship. What was that like in playing in Vancouver? Well, I was playing in Rochester, and they they some and um, they needed a defenseman up there. And again, I was <laughs> selected. I was on Rochester. Joe Crozier was out in the, the Western Hockey League at the time. And um, I was trying to think of some of the guys that you might know. Andy Bathgate, I think, was on the club. Yeah. And um, we never – and uh, we, I think we ended up second. I, I, I forget, but we went to the playoffs. We never lost a game in the, in the playoffs. We won the championship and never lost a game. And um, we played in the Coliseum, which was a beautiful arena. It was just absolutely gorgeous arena, and we used to pack it. I think they had about fifteen thousand there every game, and uh, it was terrific. And we we never lost a game in the playoffs. And uh, I, I think we played Portland. We played uh, I forget uh, who else we played. We played three or four other teams. Anyhow, we had a great team. And uh, imagine never losing a game in the playoffs. Uh, uh, Don, you played uh, you played a few years for Eddie Shore in the Springfield Indians. I think you won a couple of. Uh, couple of american hockey league cups but eddie shore is one of the most interesting characters in uh in nhl history uh one of the greatest defensemen ever yes, he was. in fact they said uh you know he was the he was the pre-bobby Orr. 
And but he he had a reputation for being a tough uh, a tough son of a guy. I, I like when you say tough. Uh, <laughs> I, I he was um, he was you know they call him eccentric and and back then they call him eccentric and then he, he was eccentric. I think he was nuts. And he used to suspend guys for a different play, believe it or not. And they hadn't played in a month. And if he wanted to keep the payroll down, he'd just suspend them. He he was a tyrant. He knew he had the guys and. Uh, a lot of the guys wanted to make the National Hockey League, and a lot of guys did. Uh, Teddy Harris and uh, Kent Douglas, uh, he was Rookie of the Year in the National Hockey League. So a lot of guys went from went from him to uh, – they were they, they, he had a real good club. And we won – I think they, Brian Killery was the captain. We won uh, uh, three Collar Cups back in those days. They call him Collar Cups. And he was, he was a tyrant. I could tell you stories on Terry. I remember one time a goaltender, I think it was Georgie Wood, he kept telling him to quit going down and making a save. And I, yeah, this is a true story. He tied him, but he tried a rope around his neck and he tied it to the goalpost. I'll tell you one thing, he did go down after that. That was just one of the one of the stories he told. Uh, I could tell you about him, but uh, he, I'll tell you, he was a great, if you look at his record, he was a, he was a great defenseman, colorful, and um, I don't think he was as good as Bobby Orr. But who is as good as Bobby Orr? But uh, he was sure colorful, and the people loved him. Back. And um, he was like he was, he was a tyrant. There's no doubt about it. So your career ended in in uh, the American Hockey League, and you decided to go in the, the workforce. And you were the um, Cadillac salesman. I retired, and I was working on construction. I had a good job. My good friend, Captain Whitey Smith, he was um, superintendent, and he was he was my my best friend, and um, he got laid off. And if if you remember back in around 1982, the recession hit, and I got laid off. And that's the only reason I got back into hockey. I I never had a job, and I was unemployed for about four or five months. So I know how how it feels to be unemployed. And um, and the Lord said, you get back and play hockey. Get back into something you know. So. I listened to the Lord and I went back and I tried out and I made the club and halfway through the season, well, no, I got, I, I got made um, halfway through the season. I get made um, coach. I get fired at the end as usual. And then I get made <laughs> coach again. And, and, uh, and, and uh, for, for three years when I was unemployed, uh, I was coaching Bobby Orr. And um, wow. that, that, that's hard to believe Bobby, um, boss Bruins, you know, you go from unemployment, you can't get a job anywhere, couldn't get a job doing anything. And in three years, I was coaching Bobby Orr. So. How did you get back into coaching? When you're, I think the greatest motivation in the world is hunger. And I was, um, I was hungry. I was going to succeed. I, don't, I remember when I took over the coaching, um, I think we won. We were 18 points out when I took over, and we missed it by one point. And... Uh, I was, and I remember the guy calling me in at the end. I was too much of a player's coach. I wasn't sticking with the Vancouver. And I remember Doug Adams called me in and he said, um, we're making a change in your department. I was the God for a second. I think, who's the poor guy in my department? <laughs> it was me. And so I, I, um, so then I was fired and then I was unemployed again. And, um, about six owners bought the. Well, it was, they were going to fold the Rochester Americans. They were they were going to be folded because they were losing money. And uh, six owners from Rochester bought the club, 
and he made me a coach. And I was happy. I was happy as a pig in mud. And um, I phoned him back and said, I'll be, I'll be general manager and scout too. He said, I, I said, how many players we got? He says, one. I said, who is that? He says, you. So <laughs> I, I was the guy. So that's how I got back into how I got into coaching. And uh, uh, like, like I said, uh, we were, we had a very good club and uh, yeah, a young club. Neil Francis was the guy that saved me and, and um, sent me nine players. And uh, I, I don't know what I had done without him. Neil Francis, he was, he used to be the general manager and the uh, coach of uh, New York Rangers. So anyhow, I had those and um, we did pretty good. And we had, in fact, I think the, the second year we uh, we went ended up first place uh, uh, in in the, in the in the American Hockey League, so we did pretty good. Uh, Don, uh, just want to, don't want to belabor. I just wanted to give our, our our listeners a sense. You know, we know we we tend to focus on the Don Cherry from the last, you know, the the great star on Hockey Night in Canada. But we we remember it didn't come easy for you. You paid. Uh, you paid your dues in a lot of different places, and you worked hard, and uh, nothing came easy for you, my friend. And we just wanted to remind our, our listeners about that. And and as I was going through this, I, I realized, Don, you and I have something in common, something in common. On on your on your Wikipedia page, I found out, you know, after you retired, you became a Cadillac salesman, yeah. a construction worker, and you were a painter. I, I, I making, making two bucks an hour. Don, my dad was a painter. That's what I used to do in the summertime. And in 19, 1970, 71, 68, I was painting houses in the middle of summer. And quite frankly, I was making a little bit more than you. I, I, I don't know. I, two, $2 an hour. That, that, I had to get the job. <laughs> and um, it, it was, I established myself as the world's worst car salesman to start with. <laughs> and uh, then, I, then I had, again, I had no job, man. I had to get working. So I did take, um, I did take up painting houses and, and stuff like that. I had to, I had to keep working. And uh, luckily I got hired by Ridge Construction, which is a, a, like a part of a Kodak. And I met my friend, good friend, Wrighty Smith. And um, I thought I was, if I didn't get let go, I'd still be working on construction. So, yeah, you and I were painters at the same time. <laughs> we may have been on the same job somewhere, Don. Well, I don't know. Oh. I don't think so. I was. Uh, <laughs> you were making a lot more money than I was. Uh, not a lot. I was a student in those days. My uh, my dad paid me a fair wage. Let's put it that way. Uh, Don, uh, like I said, things didn't come easy. Didn't come easy for you. You know, you got the job with the Rochester Americans in, in uh, 71, 72, and lo and behold, you know, you make it up to the Bruins, uh, and, and you're coaching the greatest hockey player in history. Uh, Absolutely. Tell, tell, us, uh, tell us how you moved, uh, how that all came about. Well, I remember uh, me phoning, I was in Montreal, and I got made coach, and I, and I phoned my son, and I, he said, does that mean I'm going to meet Bobby Orr? And I said, yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, I was just as happy. He was the greatest. I I never I did to every camp. I've been to every uh, training camp. I'd seen them all. I'd seen all the stars. I'm not knocking, not going to name them all, but I'd been at the camp, and they were good. Don't get me wrong. But the first time I saw Bobby Orr, I mean, I just couldn't believe in person. I, I'd seen him on television, but when I, I I remember I was playing for Rochester, and we were playing that night against the Boston Braves, and. Uh, I remember I went. We went to a morning skate, and they, and the Boston Bruins were just practicing, 
And he, they were just fooling around. They were going to leave in the afternoon about four o'clock. And I remember the first time I saw Bobby Orr, I just, I couldn't believe it. He skated. Uh, the nearest I could say is, uh, the nearest I ever saw anybody skate like him was uh, Coffee. And if you notice that Coffee, when he played, the reason he lasted so long is that he used to go to the outside, which was smart. Um, but Bobby, he used to cut it on the inside and, and, uh, you know, that's when you get, you get nailed. And, you know, he only played till he was 28 years old, which is, you know, that's when defense would start coming into their own at 28. If you look at uh, Pot Fan and and uh, all those guys when they're with about 26, 20, you know, 25, that's when they really turn it on. And he had to retire at 28 years old. If you, uh, it kind of breaks your heart to think what he, what, what he might have been. But that's the way he played. And uh, he played reckless and... Um, you know, he plays like he plays like McDavid does now, so reckless. And um, you never, you know, when you play like that, you, you open yourself up to injuries. And, you know, and as you've seen, McDavid has been injured a couple of times uh, trying to cut in and stuff like that. But that's what, that's the way they play, and you can't tell them not to play that way. You know, he was a great player, Don. Uh, he was so far ahead of the next best player. It was, it was scary. Like in the Gretzky and Lemieux era, they were close to each other. There was nobody close to Bobby Orr. And, uh, you know, it's funny you see that. Um, the year he played for me, believe it or not, and I know there's a lot of people listening, the young defensemen listening, uh, he was a defenseman, and he had 46 goals he, and 89 <laughs> assists, and he was plus 123. I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, I didn't coach him. I just opened the close the door and just let him go. But um, he was fantastic. And um, I remember I used to say, if you have the puck, Bobby has the puck. I said, don't go offside. He thought it was funny. I, I really meant it. And uh, don't go offside. And, um, but can you imagine that? 46 goals, 89 assists, plus 123. And the big thing is, too, he had 200 minutes in penalties. He was no cream puff. I mean, I, I'm not knocking anybody that's playing today or anything, but, I mean, can you imagine he had over he – had, he had over, yeah, I think he had about five fights that year. And, uh, and he was – he didn't. Have, he needed. He didn't have anybody to protect him. He didn't need it. He didn't want it. And uh, he was tough, and uh, he was good. But uh, like I say, he only lasted till he was 28 years old. We had Brad Park on two weeks ago, and he was saying how great he was to play with Bobby York for one year. They only lost. I think they lost one game out of ten. And when they were on the when and and Brad Brad used to play the right side. He was the left hand shot. And he went over to to the left side, and he feathered that puck across to Bobby. You know, he'd be, he, you know, just just the right, you know how it is, just feather by ping. And I remember Caesar Maniego was in the net, and uh, Caesar said it was like two cannons at the end there, and they they didn't, you know, how they a lot of guys lined up. They didn't have to line up Park. Park, you know, it was un, it was kind of sad in in the way, but but Brad is that. Um, he would have been picked the best defenseman seven years in a row, but unfortunately, he came along when Bobby Orr was at his best. So, the, but Brad was boy, boy. I don't know. I, I didn't realize till I watched a few uh, watched them, and uh, he he must have played about thirty five, forty minutes. But he was a great uh, he was a great defenseman. I mean, he wasn't that great a skater, but smart boy was he smart. Brad. So I was very lucky. I had Brad Park and and. Um, Bobby Orr, I had to imagine when nine, we might have never lost another game. I, I, I kid you not. If we could take the Stanley Cup champions, uh, Montreal, to the, to, for seven games in overtime, 
Imagine we would if Bobby uh, had been playing. I mean, it wouldn't have been any contest. Uh, talking about Bobby and uh, uh, Don in the early seventies, you're you're painting houses. Seventy uh, two, you you start coaching the Rochester Americans. Uh, four years later, you're behind the bench coaching what some people are saying is the greatest hockey team ever assembled, the 1976 Canada Cup. You were an assistant coach. Uh, did you ever envision when you got called up that you'd be, you'd be behind the bench so quickly coaching perhaps the greatest team ever put together? Your oh, thoughts it, are- it was the greatest team ever put together. Funny, nobody ever talks about it, but it was the greatest team. Uh, Scotty Bowman was, uh, was the coach. I was assistant coach, Bobby Crom and Al McNeil. We were like the assistant coaches, and I remember I was on the ice with, I was on behind the bench, and you couldn't have two guys like me, Scotty or I. You needed a, a good assistant coach, but I think Bobby Crom was the uh, was the first time that he ever had uh, uh, earphones on and stuff like that. So it was. I mean, we were cutting fifty goal scores. I mean, I mean, uh, John Palavo, uh, Provo. I think he had fifty goals. We cut him. We cut guys on the on the French Connection line. It was a fantastic team. I mean, it really, really was. And uh, you know, and we run into a hot goaltender with Czechs, um, Drozilla, and um, he was um, he was a tough little goaltender. He he kept us uh, at bay, as they say. And uh, we were we were fortunate that we we got an overtime goal to beat him because he was pretty good. And I don't know he never did any, never went to National Hockey League or anything, but I never forgot his name was Drozilla. Ness. Yeah, you were talking to Daryl Sutler in between periods about him coming up with his net, right? So yeah, he well, what he did was he was pretty smart. He wasn't a big guy, but um, we had we had some real blasters. And as we come down uh, uh, either side, as we put our head down to uh, blast the puck at him because we wanted to you know get it over with, he'd come out about twelve feet, and he catch it. He catch the puck before. So I remember I said to Daryl, uh, I didn't say it to Daryl, I said it to Alan. I, I was talking up, uh, up above and I told Al McNeil and Scotty, <clears throat> Sam Pollock said, what are you telling me, us for? Go down and tell them. So that's what Siddler did. He went and he held the puck, uh, let on, he let on, he busted, held the puck and slid it home. And it was, uh, I was more surprised than anybody. I'd like to talk to you about a trade that was made Phyllis Vazito and Carol Vladdy going for Brad Park and John Rattel. Well, that was, uh, that was um, I mean, you have to talk about uh, Phyllis Vazito. I mean, he had uh, 76 goals. <laughs> 76 goals, and he had uh, 63 goals the next year. But um, the new style was coming in that I, that I was one of the first guys. You, you, you stay on for a minute, and you come off, and, Phil, he, uh, we just, I don't, you know, he, he was not, no, I'm not knocking him, but he, he used to stay on a long time, and it was funny all the time. But, uh, so they made the trade, and uh, and uh, Rattel, I remember he had a bad back, but we had such a tough team, nobody ever touched him. And uh, P- Park uh, had a bad knee. I think he had a, I think he hurt his knee or something, but nobody touched him after a while. We, we, had, a, we had a big, big, tough team. I think it was the toughest team ever in sports. In sports, not hockey, just and um, the word was out: don't touch Rattel or don't touch Park. And you know, it was the same thing as Gretzky when he was in. Uh, in uh, you know, he had some ankle and McSorley there. It's worth your life to touch one of those guys, uh, especially Gretzky. 
So you had to have you had the guys, and then then they put in the instigator rule. And as you can see, last year and the year before, worst league, worst rule that was ever put in in, in any sport. And uh, you know, most of the stars were injured last year because you can't protect them. And it's, John, I remember you telling me the story about Phyllis Cizito being told about being traded and what it was like in the hotel. Can you briefly oh, yeah. tell the story? That's a true story. I remember uh, Harry sent it for me early in the morning at five. Uh, 5.30 in the morning, he says, you got to get and tell Phil before the, it, you know, some reporters get to him. So I phoned um, Bobby Orr, let's go down. And, and the boy, he was mad, I remember. So we went in and there was Phil in his white silk pajamas. I'll never forget it. <laughs> so it was raining outside. And Bobby went and looked out the window. And um, he was looking out the window. And he, he, like I said, he was mad. And, and Phil started to cry. And um, he said, he said, uh, Great. If you tell me that I've been traded to New York Rangers, I'm going to jump out the window. <laughs> I told Bobby, guys, Bobby, get away from the window. <laughs> Phil tells that story. I can't remember. Good story anyhow. But uh, but he did go, and him and Vadnay went. Carol Vadnay was a good friend of mine. And, uh, but, you know, he had to do it. So we had those guys, and I, I knew I knew Rattel. And Rattel one year led, led the team in, in scoring. And uh, we were first place club. We made first place club. We had 116 points one year. Had always had over 100 points, and it was because of uh, guys like uh, well, Brad Park was fantastic. Thanks, Don. We'll take a quick break here, and we'll be right back after our commercial. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, "We'll never be the fastest. We'll never be the cheapest." We'll never be the snazziest dressed. What? Yeah, my point is, we want to be the best. At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We're in conversation with Don Cherry. There's one one area I, I, I have to ask you. Your brand, the Don Cherry brand, uh, as, aside from your outspokenness, has been your sartorial splendor. Uh, you, uh, you have entertained us, uh, with your, with your verbal skills and you've also entertained us with your ability to put yourself together, uh, uh, jackets, ties, shirts, uh, you, you've been cutting edge and, uh, we always looked forward every Saturday night or every time you were on to what jacket, uh, you, you, you were going to be wearing, uh, not so sure you're making enough money in the American hockey league to, uh, to, to, to support uh, to support that habit but Don when did uh, when did you acquire uh, is it something you've always uh, always wanted to look sharp did it did it come at some point in time how did uh, how did that all come about 
Well, I always liked my coach. Uh, uh, Joe Crozier was always a sharp dresser. And I was like, I don't know what it was, but I know the players used to like uh, their coach looking sharp behind the bench. In fact, um, the year before I went there, the, uh, the coach wore a, a leather jacket all the time. And I was always, um, I always, I always did dress. My mother was a teamstress for the Royal Military College, and my dad was a sharpest dresser. Yeah, I remember he used to wear beautiful suits, and um, he was bigger, a lot bigger than I was. He had a seventeen and a half inch neck, and and uh, a nice vest and uh, stuff like that. So I always did, and I used to wear plaids all the time. I used to like plaids, and um, so then I then when I became uh, coach, and uh, I, I I honestly could. If I didn't feel good behind the bench, and I remember I had one suit on and it didn't fit very good, I honestly didn't feel it. I didn't feel it right behind the bench. And then I took, uh, and then I went from there, and, and then uh, I started. You know, I have nice dress, and when I went to hockey night in Canada, I have a nice uh, jacket on, and then they started to feel good. And, and I paid for all those jackets too. I never, uh, I never got anything free. And I pay for my shirts and I pay for my ties. I pay because nothing's free in this world, as, as people will find out. So I used to, I used to buy, um, I used to pay for them all. And um, and and uh, sometimes I used to get four or five at a time. And uh, I used to pick the material, and I used to get the material. Honestly, I used to get the material at Fabricland, and they'd make the <laughs> and, and the coop and uh, the coop used to make the downtown. They used to call it the coop. It's an awful name. Isn't it? But the coop, and uh, we used to, he used to make them, and uh, John the I used to call him John the coop, and I think the kids had a lot of fun out of the ties too. I used to have uh, a lot of funny ties, Looney Tune ties and Walt Disney ties and stuff like that. So I I I could see the people had a kick out of it, and um, so that's why I kept getting more and more and more and more, and I I, I had a lot of fun. Don, Don, I always ask this question, and uh, I asked Dave Keon this question two weeks ago. I asked Peter Mansbridge the question two weeks ago. Who are your heroes? My heroes were Lord Nelson, uh, growing up, and um, and Lawrence of Arabia. But um, I say Lord Nelson was, uh, and the um, yeah, he was, you know, he was uh, killed in the Battle of Trafalgar. So I would say people like that, and. Uh, you have to have heroes like that. That's uh, to me. That was always uh, he was always my hero growing up, and uh, I think I got every book that's ever been written on him. And uh, I just I think it's just great. I just what, I, what did you what did you admire about him? Well, first of all, um, he was just well. He was brave to start with, and um, he died very young. And English like English always like their their heroes to die young, and so did uh, Lawrence of Arabia. But um, you know, Duke of Wellington. I used to. I get. I read all the books. All those books. I think that uh, reading books uh, really helps uh, on uh, something like that. And uh, I, the reason I liked Avonimi was uh, the, the, the play, first of all, the players all liked him. I call them the players. The sailors all liked him. They uh, thought he was one of them. And uh, I think that's where I got the idea of be a player's coach, and uh, <laughs> and it ended up. Get me fired all the time, but it, and while we, we had it, now the last year I played, or the last year I coached was in um, Colorado. It wasn't very good, but that was because um, we had a good club. We really did have a good club. I mean, the last we really did have a good club. We only just had Hardy Astrom as the goaltender. <laughs> You're not going anywhere unless you have a goaltender. 
as anybody, show me a good coach and I'll show you a good goaltender. And that's exactly. So, yeah, uh, I, I read a lot of books and uh, I was a player's coach and, uh, and uh, they won when I, when I played and they won when I uh, coached and um, I don't have no regrets at all. You made the best trade in hockey when you traded Ken Hodge for Rick Middleton. Yeah, that was the best trade in hockey. <laughs> that was the biggest deal. I that ever. was the best trade of all time. Yeah. <laughs> we traded a guy. They got 500 goals. I think he got 522. No, 500 goals. And uh, Kenny Hodge was near the end of his career, to say the least. And I think he got 25 goals. So I think it was one of the... Uh, it, it was what I would have to say was maybe one of the greatest trades of all time, and uh, it was it, it was um, it was a great trade. And Ricky Milton turned out to be a, a heck of a player. It took me a while to get him straightened out, but uh, boy, oh boy, when he was uh, when he'd have the puck, they, called, they didn't call him nifty for nothing. And is it true that you were offered the least coaching job after the uh, 79th, 80 season? Yeah, I could. Uh, I had given my word to. Uh, uh, Ray Miron, which uh, he was a general manager, and I remember I remember uh, getting a call from Eagleson, Al Eagleson, uh, and he said, uh, "I've got a great contract here for you, uh, uh, an, an extra year in the contract, uh, more money, and you can be near your mother, which is in Kingston, Ontario. You can visit her all the time." And I said, "I can. I've shaken hands," and uh, he said, "I didn't shake your hand." <laughs> so I went to Colorado and. Uh, and ended up with, and the guy that was knifing me all the time was the guy that I give, I shook my hands with, was Ray Miron. And, uh, but it didn't matter. Uh, and, and it worked, Lord works in mysterious ways. I went, and then I jumped to, uh, had no, I did, again, I had no job. And then I jumped to, uh, Hockey Night in Canada. And I met a great guy there, Ralph Mellaby. He was the executive. He took a liking to me. The only reason I kept on there was because of Ralph Mellaby. And, uh, he kept he kept me going for a long time, and uh, I think I, I think it was on there forty some years. So I, I know if I had gone to Toronto, Harold Beller and I would have had a you know I had a fight or something like that. So the Lord was, great to see you though. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't have been on Hockey Night in Canada. I used to, I, did, I did color for uh, three or four years, and um, then they, they said, "Well, you, you yeah, it was too you know I got too much trouble being in color." <laughs> so he said, we'll put you on for about uh, six minutes at the end of the first period. Ralph Melody said, you won't get in any trouble then. Little did I know. <laughs> so I had a lot of fun. And Ralph, Ralph was a great guy. Ralph kept me around. If that had been for Ralph, I would have I would have been fired. Well, I think, we, I think the CBC would have fired me the first year if it had been for Ralph. I understand you uh, were offered a coaching job for the Saskatoon Blades. Oh, that was well, Bill Hunter. Yeah, I, I would have went... Uh, so he like you know a lot of people don't realize that he uh, almost had the St. Louis Blues, and I think it was one guy, forget his name, uh, stepped in and bought the club. But we were we were they would he he showed me the arena. I think it had about twelve thousand people. It was a brand new arena, and he says we can extend the back until we get about sixteen thousand in here. And if you know how the people, great people of West, they how great they are and everything out there. They would have packed that. They would have packed that place. And uh, yeah, I was going back with Wild Bill Hunter. That would have been a good combo. Wild Bill Hunter and I when we went on the road. But the National Hockey League wasn't too happy. But there's nothing they could do. And it wasn't. It was in Saskatoon. We would have had a great time. Was Harry Ernest the guy that you're talking about, Don? Yeah, he was the guy that uh, 
he, he stepped in at the last minute, and the NHL was very happy that he did because they wanted to keep him in St. Louis. Don, uh, uh, over the years, you've donated your time and your talents to so many great causes, and we want to make sure uh, we remind uh, our listeners and that your your legacy is not forgotten in terms of the in terms of your accomplishments. You know, women's hockey has become popular in Canada, uh, but you and Rose, uh, women's and sledge hockey, for that matter, you you were you were advocating on behalf of you and what Rose were advocating on behalf of women's hockey back in the late 70s and early 80s you were way ahead of your time on that in 1997 the women's national hockey team paid tribute to you and rose um yeah you you picked up that cause you were way ahead of uh, you and rose were way ahead of so many people yeah. on that i remember um, her, um hazel mccallion she was uh i never forgot hazel hurricane hazel everybody knows her she was a mayor here, and I just moved here. And she says, "Listen, I want you here at Melville Arena. I never forget it." And I said, "Well, it's not David Game. I'm not going to. You be there." Uh, and Hazel said to be there. So I went there, and I re- and I saw there young girls uh, were j- loved hockey just as much as the as the guys. And let I, you know, I hate to say this, but there was a joke. It was a joke back in those days, women's hockey. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, nobody paid any attention to them. And I remember I paid my way to Ottawa. No, or, yeah, Ottawa, and uh, you know to do the game. And uh, the and the women loved ho- and women do love hockey. Uh, as, as as the girls' hockey, I call it. I call them girls. That's uh, terrific. And, um, and you can see them today. And I think they're having a. a, a I think the the leagues are. I, I mean, my personal opinion is that the league will. Uh, they will get together. The two leagues will get together of uh, women's hockey, and that the NHL will step in, and they will uh, they'll have a great uh, they'll have a great um, yeah, great league. And uh, you know, you look at Eddie Wickenheiser and, and people like that, and Jim Hefford. I mean, they're they're good hockey players. Uh, Don, uh, so many other great things uh, you've done, and you know uh, we. Uh, you know, in the current in the current world, uh, we uh, we tend to forget, uh, and we want to remind. Uh, you know, you were you were all, you've always been one of Canada's most popular uh, broadcasters, one of Canada's most popular cultural icons for a, a long time. In ni- in two thousand and four, there was a show, and and by listeners, and this is you know we forget how we don't forget. You were you were one of Canada's most popular people. You were voted Canada's seventh greatest Canadian ever by listeners, by listeners, by viewers. Yeah. Uh, when that did, how did, uh, how'd you react to that? How'd you feel about it? Well, I, I definitely not one of the greatest Canadians, Terry Fox, you know, guys like that. And, but, uh, but people I voted I was, you. I was one of the most popular, I think, because yeah. I was on television. I mean, I don't, uh, put myself with, with guys like that, but I think I was most popular at the time. And I think the, they just—I think a lot of people did it to kick off the CBC. <laughs> never figured not. Like my my, right now my my daughter is uh, head of Don Cherry's uh, pet rescue, yep. and um, we and uh, she really she's the president of it and she does a lot, uh, rescue dogs and cats and and um, any animals and and I think donkeys and things like that, 
and she she asked me if she could use my name, and she does, and she does a great job. She works at that too, and she works at the Kidney Foundation. So, but the Don Cherry's Pet Rescue is uh, near and dear to my heart. I'll tell you that because uh, I, I she shows me pictures of of dogs that have been mistreated, and she puts she and she. Uh, that's her money where her mouth is, as they say. She was up north, uh, northern, um, uh, way, way up north, uh, and uh, with the, with dogs up there and everything like that. So she really does. She really works works hard at it. I don't, but she does. And we do things like that. And we made the Rose Cherry Home for Kids, which uh, she did again. She was with he did it again, and uh, he does all the work, and uh, I get all the glory, I guess. But uh, she does. She does all the work. You were involved with the uh, Mississauga Ice Dogs Junior Hockey Team. How was that experience for you? Well, it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good because, as anybody knows, that, that has anything to do with junior hockey, that you have to have your brains counted out for a couple of years to get the first-round draft choice. Well, I, 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 uh, I went from, uh, you know, I was, I was coaching, uh, uh, trying to coach them and being a hockey night in Canada and a radio, so I had too many things going. But, we we want a lot of people don't realize that the Rochester uh, Mississauga Ice Dogs won the uh, Eastern Championship there in six years, and and one year we had more uh, one more guys drafted to the NHL than any other team in junior hockey. But the first couple of years you have to get your brains pounded out, Absolutely. as I said, to uh, get those first round draft choices, and that's what we did. And holy smokes. It was no mercy on me, uh, and it, it was the toughest time I think of my life, trying to coach that team and and the radio show and and uh, hockey night in Canada, and uh, it, it was tough. We had a, it was very very tough. But, um, but like they say, they I wasn't there, but uh, with the players that I dra- we drafted and that we, we they won the championship in six years. There's been teams in that. Um, that uh, junior hockey has been there in the league forty years. I've never done that, so I, but it was not it was not fun. If you ask me, it was was not fun at all, and um, I never had a, I never had a day's fun the whole time I was there. It, it was too t- it was it, it, it to go in there with an expansion team. It was it was a murder. You were involved when the sticks changed from a forty dollar stick to two hundred and seventy five dollar stick. I remember one of the owners, uh, Patrick O'Sullivan's dad, went out and bought. A four sticks that it cost twelve hundred bucks, <laughs> I couldn't believe it, uh, and, and it cost just. And you have to really admire those guys that own a junior club. They don't make any money. I don't know how they. I don't know how they survive. They do it because they love the game. That's why they're in it because they're not. In, I think there's about three teams that make money, and London's one of them. But uh, London Knights and that. But uh, they do it because they love the game. And junior hockey, when you see a guy there. He loves the game because he's not making any money, I guarantee you. Uh, Don, you've, uh, over the years, you've been uh, uh, the most, uh, if not the most vocal supporter of our troops. I can't think of anybody else who's uh, supported our troops. You've, uh, you've been over to Afghanistan. You've been in the line of fire. Uh, just because uh, your, your thoughts on, on supporting our troops have been always so important to all of us. Uh, we're in a war now, uh, Don, and we've got we've got different troops who are fighting that war. The, the troops uh, now are in hospitals. They're nurses. They're doctors. They're first uh, aid workers. They're you know there there's so much going on in the world, and they need our support. And uh, I know that you've been uh, 
you've been there for them since since day one and i just we'd love to have your thoughts on uh on the sacrifices that are being made today by so many well you know what i think of the the troops and uh the policemen and the firemen and and the first responders i mean they uh we are in a war, and I think if everybody does what they're told, uh, I, 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 you see some of them at beaches, and they're just down the states. It just makes you wonder. But uh, no, you do as you, we do as they're told. We stay six feet apart, and uh, we definitely will get over this. And uh, it's going to take us a while. Uh, Premier Ford, uh, got, I mean, you got to give this boy as he come out. He could eat. Uh, they got a picture of him uh, loading up a mask at, at his truck. He didn't know it was, he, you know, his picture is being taken. But uh, if, if you listen to him and you listen to these uh, first responders or the nurses and that, they do a great job. And if we do what we're told, uh, if I could do as I told, I suppose everybody else can too. And uh, my wife is, uh, takes care of me pretty good. I'm getting kind of old, as they say. And she takes care of me. My wife takes care of me pretty good. I do as I'm told. And I uh, watch a lot of television. And like when I started off this conversation, I look at my goldfish. <laughs> so I try to stay off, uh, stay away from people as much as I can. And we definitely will get over this. And I sure appreciate you guys having me on for for uh, your show. And um, good luck. And and um, and I hope you guys keep well. And we all keep well. Uh, Don, on on that note, we just got a couple of minutes to wrap it up. Um... Things happened last November. We we uh, we chatted. We 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 decided we weren't going to get into the details of that. Um, um, but what came out of that is uh, certain people uh, supported you. Uh, one of them being Bobby Orr, vocal in his support of you. How much did the support of uh, people who came to your uh, uh, took your side or wanted to support you? How much did that mean to you? Well, it's funny when I uh, my son is uh, he rates the uh, junior, uh, the minor midget hockey, and uh, we went out. You know, and people don't know what to do. They, you know, a guy just fired the <laughs> the guy that feels sorry for him, and that, and uh, and and I was I was it was incredible. And uh, the kids the kids all had a great time, and I I took pictures of them, and uh, you know you you sitting there watching the game. And he rates he rates all the minor midget in Ontario, the GTHL actually, and uh, so I, I you know it's been uh, it, you know it was tough uh, forty three years. I don't care what job, but I think it was forty three. You know, I've had a job for forty three years. Uh, it really um, it really does hurt, but um, hey, that's the way the world is, and and um, it was time to go. I had a good time. It's time to leave it to somebody else, and and uh, I appreciate it uh, all the time I was on there and. If, they get, if Ralph, a guy like Ralph Malik go, who used to take care of me all the time, and uh, I'm very happy. I thank the Lord that I was on that long. And uh, I, as I always say, to when, as I'm leaving, I always say toodaloo, and I've had a good time. <laughs> Naz, last no. words. Don, thank you for being the number one Zoomer around, for sure. <laughs> okay, Naz, Wally, uh, I sure appreciate it, and um, I'll, I'll talk, uh, maybe I'll talk to you again sometime. Dan, okay. uh, Don, thanks so much, and uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks, well, we'll see you, Naz. Toodaloo. Okay, that. That was, uh, that was our interview with, uh, with Don Cherry. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Naz, uh, any, any thoughts? Wow, what a, what, a, what a great man he is. Great man. You know, 
you know, uh, we didn't uh, we didn't chat with him about. Uh, you had chatted with him before we went on the air. It was your work uh, that made this uh, made this interview possible. Um, and we we we, uh, we decided uh, Don didn't really want to talk much about what happened in November, and we, we respected his wishes. And quite frankly, um, uh, I think we've moved beyond that as well, Naz. In case our listeners, we didn't we didn't uh, you know we didn't deliberately stay away from it. We've talked about it on the show, and if anybody wants to know, Naz and I have some very strong opinions about how Don Cherry was dealt with by Sportsnet, and if you're interested in those opinions, we don't have enough time left today, but uh, our podcast from uh, from when it happened is posted on Zoomer uh, Radio's website. It's posted under the heading Don Cherry and Mike Babcock Fired. It was posted on November 27th. We've made our opinions I've got strong opinions about what happened. Um, unfortunate. Um, uh, from a lot of different perspectives, uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate things happened uh, the way they did. Uh, I think it could have been handled better by, by everyone, uh, by the people at Sportsnet. Um, uh, there's no heroes in any of this story uh, in terms of what transpired in November. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'm thankful we got the opportunity to talk to Don because, uh, you know, it's uh, everything happened so quickly back in November. And, uh, you know, we got an opportunity to look back on his career and a lot of the great things that he's done. And, you know, whether, whether you know, in, in the world today that's so political, um, you know, I guess I guess your viewpoint really depends upon your politics. And uh, I consider myself fortunate in one sense. I don't look at the I don't look at the world through the prism of one ideology. I, I can argue both sides of, of this debate. Uh, I just um, uh, I'm thankful for uh, having been entertained by Don for so many years, and thankful for uh, getting the opportunity to chat with him for an hour and uh, and uh, reliving his his wonderful career uh, and his struggles and and everything he had to do and. Uh, Certainly, the debate, Hockey Hall of Fame, Naz. I'll turn it over to you. Don Cherry should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, right? And he's never going to get in. Not with not with the crew that's there. It's too, you know. He's, you know, they they don't understand. It's not the, uh, it's the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's uh, it's not the Hockey Hall of Saints. Don may not be a saint. He may have said some things over the years that may have rubbed some people the wrong way, and uh, that's fine. Uh, but I don't think there's any doubt his accomplishments are deserving of him being in the Hall of Fame. Naz? Wally, wouldn't it have been great to see Harold Ballard and Don Cherry on the same team? <laughs> Anyways, I'm getting the I'm getting the cut sign. Uh, apparently, our times come up. Uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll open up the show next Sunday and just revisit our and finish off our thoughts. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. Stay safe. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.